Well, first, let me extend my gratitude to the session of New Covenant and to your pastor, Brian, for the great privilege of preaching God's word to you this evening. And also to you, Danny, thank you, brother, for the great joy of getting to participate in this service and share in this milestone in your ministry and in the life of this dear church. And so to demonstrate my gratitude to the session for the invitation to preach, I thought I would preach the longest chapter out of the book of Genesis. <laughs> Genesis chapter 24. Um, Genesis chapter 24, and the title of my address this evening, brothers and sisters, is The Good and Faithful Servant. This is the Word of God, the inerrant, the infallible, and the life-giving word of our blessed God. Genesis chapter 24. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, and that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? And Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, To your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine, only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water, at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink and who shall say, drink and I will water your camels. Let her Be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. And she said, Drink, my Lord. She quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she'd finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they finish drinking. So she quickly emptied the jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all the camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. 
When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arm weighing ten gold shekels and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. And as soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard his words of, uh, heard the words of Rebecca, his sister, thus the man spoke to me, he went to the man. And behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside for? I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him he's given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, you shall not take a wife from my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son from my clan and from my father's house. Then you will be free of my oath when you come to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, you'll be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now, I have, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I'm standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water, to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink. And who shall say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebecca came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. And I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give your camel's drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camel's drink also. And then I asked her, whose daughter are you? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arm, and then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord the God of my master Abraham, who led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you're going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you, good or bad. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son. 
as the Lord has spoken. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, let the young woman remain with us a while, at least 10 days. After that, she may go. But he said to them, do not delay me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebekah and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Beer la Haroi and was dwelling in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself, and The servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. A long reading, dear ones, I know, but worse things have happened in a church, have they not? Let's pray together and ask God to bless our time together tonight. Father, we praise you for this wonderful love story and ask now O lord we who believe in the holy spirit who spoke by the prophets that the same holy spirit would open our eyes to see through this lens of genesis 24 the divine romance between our lord jesus christ and his bride the church sinners he died to save and help us as we see him to run to him with fresh love and to Receive the steadfast love which Christ alone can give. So bless us, O Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for nearly 50 years, Leonard Bernstein conducted the New York Philharmonic Symphony Orchestra. He's regarded as one of the most important conductors of his time and one of the most talented musicians in all American history and a reporter once asked him what is the most difficult instrument to play and I wonder what some of you young ones in the back might say how you would answer what you think is the most difficult instrument to play you might be surprised by Bernstein's answer not the great big tuba or the harp with its countless strings or the tiny piccolo without a moment's hesitation Bernstein answered second fiddle Second fiddle, I can always get plenty of first violinists, but to find one who plays second fiddle with as much enthusiasm, now that's a problem. And yet if no one plays second, we have no harmony. 
It's as true of music as it is of gospel ministry, brothers and sisters, to find a servant-hearted craftsman who is glad to play the humble harmony, even eager to use his gifts and time and energies and learnings and labors to magnify the glory, not of himself, but the glory of another. Indeed, this is exceedingly rare. And yet this is the sacred task, Danny, to which you are being ordained tonight. And though you received the laying on of hands long ago, you receive a fresh charge this evening, a fresh installation. and Once again, you don the coarse mantle of a servant of Jesus Christ in the church. And upon that mantle over the heart is stitched the words of John the Baptist, he must increase and I must decrease. For with God's help, I'll show you perhaps from an unlikely passage, this beautiful truth that to be a pastor in the church of Jesus Christ is to be a servant, to be a servant. Now coming to Genesis chapter 4 is a bit like playing a dating game show. Uh, behind uh, 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 the contestant comes and stands before a series of of closed doors uh, behind which are reasonable options. And as we come to Genesis chapter 24, we see the same series of doors. And behind door number one, we could spend our time tonight considering the covenant faithfulness of God who promised to Abraham through Isaac shall your children be reckoned. And who we see here in the providential fetching of a bride for Isaac, the keeping of that promise. Great is his faithfulness behind door number one. Behind door number two, we could consider the bold biblical covenantal parenting of Abraham who was determined not to allow his son to marry outside of the covenant community. Don't take an unbelieving wife to be long to my son, he said to this Servant, And that would be a worthy consideration for us tonight. Behind door number three, we could spend the evening talking about the faith of Rebecca. This amazing uh, woman who was willing to go with a total stranger, having been convinced that he was sent by God, to marry a total stranger, having been convinced that it had been ordained by God. But we'll choose door number four, friends, tonight. And we'll keep our eyes trained on Abraham's servant. And in the first place, I want you to see that he is a bound servant. A bound servant. As the curtain of our passage opens, we find Abraham summoning this servant and making him swear an oath with a very odd gesture by placing his hand under Abraham's thigh. Now, I don't know exactly what is entailed in this service. The Hebrews had interesting ways of ratifying their covenants. You remember the way in which um, when Boaz received the right to marry Ruth, the nearer kinsman had to remove his sandal as a demonstration of his removal of the right uh, to be the kinsman redeemer and to give Boaz that right. And we find another similar uh, interesting 
uh, cultural symbol here in this oath swearing. While we don't know exactly what's entailed in the placing of the hand under the thigh of Abraham, we certainly know that it is appropriate and godly, and we also know that it ought to catch our attention. Communicates the gravity of the promise the servant is making. This is no small matter to Abraham, nor to the servant. Abraham wanted his servant to sense the weight and significance of this mission that he was sending him on. He was a bound servant, promising, making the servant vow not to take a wife for Isaac from among the Gentiles, but rather from among Abraham's believing kindred. And we see there in verse 9 that the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. At the height of his career, the heavyweight champion Muhammad Ali boarded a plane. And as he was seated seated there in first class, making conversation and a big scene and signing the autographs of the rest of the passengers that shuffled by him, at some point the fastened seatbelt light dinged on in the cabin, but Ali just kept riffing with any passerby until one of the flight attendants came up to him and said, Sir, you're going to have to buckle your seatbelt. To which he responded, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And the flight attendant smiled and said, Superman don't need no plane either. (laughs) You see, it's so easy, isn't it, to think more highly of ourselves than we should. To forget who we are. And for a gospel minister, it's tempting to believe that we're important people. That we're impressive theologians and respectable scholars and leaders in the community and instead of lowly servants. A servant is one who has been bought with a price, one who belongs to another, one whose will is riveted to the will of his master, one who lives not for his own pleasure but for the pleasure of his master. And in a very real sense, to be a Christian is to be the blood-bought servant of Christ, not just to be a minister, but, but to be a Christian. As Paul told the Corinthians, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. And that price is the precious blood of Jesus Christ poured out on the cross for the remission of sins. But tonight, Danny, by a sacred vow, you shall become doubly bound to a holy duty. It's interesting, isn't it? This servant was already bound to obey the will of his master, but he he was doubly bound by this oath in the very same way that we're all servants of the Lord Jesus Christ if we're Christians. But tonight, Danny will be doubly bound to a holy purpose. And what is that purpose What is the great mission to which the Lord binds you tonight? Paul put it most simply in his letter to Timothy. Preach the word. Preach the word. In season and out of season. Publicly and privately. From the pulpit or from the podium. Preach the word without fear or favor. Preach the word with all of the tenderness of Jesus Christ. 
preach the word with all of the prophetic boldness of our forefathers, preach the word as a dying man to dying men, sound the trumpet of God's impending judgment for the sins of mankind, and then sound it again for the good news that Jesus Christ saves sinners from the wrath of God, and that he alone is the only refuge that can withstand the hellacious inferno of God's righteous judgment. Charles Spurgeon said, this one thing I do. I don't dabble in hobbies. I'm not off wasting time and secondary and tertiary passions. This one thing I do, preach the word, a bound servant, but also a believing servant. It's a 500 mile journey north through the mountains of the Middle East to Mesopotamia. But after that long journey, it would have taken the servant weeks, finally arrived at the city of Abraham's brother, Nahor. And I want you to imagine in your mind's eye, this servant arriving at the city in the soft light of evening, the text tells us, standing by the well outside the city, his camels kneeling down beside him. Can you see the gates of that city open and the women of that city streaming out to the well to draw water for their households. And maybe with the servant, you're beginning to ask the same questions. Among all of these women, how am, how am I supposed to know which woman is the right woman or which one is related to Abraham, my master? And then even if I can find her, how on earth am I supposed to convince her a stranger to come with me a stranger to marry another stranger in a faraway land. What is the servant to do in the face of these impossible odds when the task to which he has been bound seems undoable? This servant cried out to the God of his master, Abraham. He prayed in verse 12, saying, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Danny, the obstacles facing a gospel minister, as you know, are no less daunting, especially a minister called to labor among students and youth. In a world of touchscreens and instant access streaming, in a world of 4K Marvel movies and virtual reality video games, how are we, preachers of the gospel, to capture and keep the attentions of our people through preaching an ancient book? In a world obsessed with self-esteem, how can we convince people that they're wretches? Far more sinful than they could possibly imagine. And that if their sins were like the sand on a seashore, one single grain is sufficient to consign the soul to hell for all eternity. Because the God we worship is an all-consuming fire and immeasurably holy. And in a world in which nothing is free and everything is earned, how can we make them believe that the love of God which Christ offers them in the gospel is at once priceless and costless to us, though it costs Christ everything. 
How can the foolishness of preaching Christ crucified, how can the foolishness of the cross become the power of God to those who are being saved? Prayer is the answer. It's the only answer. The Spirit of God blowing upon the white sun-bleached bones of a valley filled with death the Spirit of God infusing the preaching of God's Word with heaven's life-giving power. So, Danny, you have to pray if the Lord's to bless your ministry. For he will not share his glory with another, and he will not allow you to enjoy the success that you long for in a prayerless manner. And what is prayer but the soul's prostration before a holy God? The language of total dependence upon him. Prayer is the battering ram that breaks down the Jericonian walls of self-reliance that sinners construct around their hearts. And if our pulpits would burn white hot with Zion's fire, we must fetch the holy flame on our knees in prayer. James said in chapter 4, verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask. So, Danny, you must ask for the Lord to bless your preaching and your teaching and your shepherding and pastoring and your counseling to make it effective to the saving of souls and to the sanctifying of those who have been saved. The servant was bound in this servant is a believing servant and next we see that this servant was a boasting servant after it was revealed to him through answered prayer that Rebecca was the woman of God's own choosing what does the servant do he begins lavishing her with the treasures of his master gold rings and and bracelets and costly apparel When he'd gone to Rebecca's home and met her family, he extolled the riches and the faith and the character of his master. Look again to verse 34. I am Abraham's servant, he said, and the Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he's become great, and he's given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys, and Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master. When she was old, and to him he's given all that he has. It's so interesting, isn't it? This is, as I've said, the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. It's about 1,500 words long. Many of those words are spoken by this servant, and yet not one of those words is the servant's name. He remains nameless throughout. It's not important what his name is. I think that's important for us to consider tonight. William Carey, our own local hero, is rightly hailed as the father father of modern missionaries uh, who labored long and hard to bring the gospel to India. By all accounts, William Carey is a man worthy of honor and emulation among the godly. But as he lay dying in 1834, and as his fellow missionary Alexander Duff came to his 
bedside, he whispered with the last ounces of strength he had, Mr. Duff, you've been speaking about Dr. Carey, Dr. Carey. When I am gone, say nothing about Dr. Carey. Speak only about Dr. Carey's Savior. Danny, you cannot, you cannot at once strive to make a name for yourself and for Christ. You must choose. Will the aim of your ministry be to make yourself great or to make Christ great? To get published? To have hundreds of downloads on sermon audio? To have a reputation throughout Grace Presbytery? To preach the conference circuit? Or will it be simply to be the nameless but faithless servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? You must be a boastful servant. But let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You see, a call to pastoral ministry or being installed into a pastoral charge is a call to boast, not in yourself, but to boast in the wonders of the love of God and the radiance of his character, the beauty of Christ Jesus. It is to impress the people of God, not with your own skills, nor with your own resources, but with the riches of of your master as you deck them with the gold and silver of the word and prayer and sacraments. Your heart's desire must not be to woo the people of God to yourself, but to woo them unto Christ as this servant woos Rebecca. Abound, a believing, a boasting servant but this was also a burdened servant, a burdened servant. If you were to count through these many verses of Genesis 24, you would find this servant moving things along, urging expedience, urging decision, not once, not twice, but three times. This was a servant about his master's business. This was a servant who knew he didn't have time to play games. He had a sense of the urgency of the situation. He was a burdened servant. And Danny, you would do well to follow in his suit. You would do well as you open God's word on Sundays and Wednesdays and every day in between over lunches and coffees with those entrusted to your care to do so with a sense of sacred urgency. To preach as if heaven and hell are real places. And that the eternal destinies of immortal souls hangs in the balance every time the word of God is preached. And that God is pleased through the foolishness of our preaching to save people from the clutched talons of Satan. And to bring them into the everlasting light of his kingdom. To preach with that kind of urgency that the decision for Christ must be made. And that it's not enough to come to church. For sitting in church on Sunday makes you a Christian as much as sitting in a garage makes you a Corvette. No, the decision for Christ must be made. So in our preaching and in our teaching and pastoring, we must press lovingly, press those entrusted to our care to own Christ as their own personal Savior and not to trust in the faith of their parents, not ultimately to trust in their own baptism, but to close with Christ, to enter the ark of salvation 
before the door is closed and the reins of God's wrath come once and for all. A bound servant, a believing and boasting servant, a burdened servant, and finally, my favorite, a blessed servant. This unnamed man was so blessed Rebecca decided to walk by faith and not by sight and to follow this servant. To go 500 miles to the south. And so one evening, weeks later, we see Isaac out in the field when he lifted his eyes to see a caravan of camels coming. It's like that last scene. Uh, Brian, you may have mentioned this earlier in the week, so I want to give credit where it's due. But It's like that last scene in Pride and Prejudice. It's not in the book. It's in the movie. Um, when after a long and difficult series of trials, finally the man and his woman have professed their love for one another and the time of their union has come and in the golden sunrise, we see Mr. Darcy with that great trench coat uh, trailing him as he walks through this field of grain towards his bride. I have to imagine that Rebecca saw something equally lovely, for she lifted her eyes to see her groom walking towards her across the sunset field and I imagine that without taking her eyes off of him, she asked the servant, who is that man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant simply said, it is my master. It's him. It's the one I've been telling you all about. And well, let's consider those last two verses together as we close. The servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. And then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. Danny, when you asked me if I would come and preach your installation, I knew immediately that I wanted to preach Genesis chapter 24 for this portrait of the servant and for the clear parallels to what it means to be a servant of Christ and what it means to be a gospel minister. For you, Danny, are the servant of the Father and he has sent you to find a bride for his son and to bring her to him. And there's no greater joy in all the world, is there? There's no greater joy in all the world than what this servant felt as Rebecca left him to go to Christ. It's the same joy that we feel as gospel ministers as we get the privileged seat of standing at the front on a Sunday as, as you sing your way through Abide With Me. It's the same privilege that we feel as gospel ministers of getting to sprinkle the baptismal waters of consecration upon your children. The same privilege that we feel when you call us not just to join you on the mountaintops of life, but also to walk with you down in the valleys. 
There's no greater joy in all the world than being a gospel minister, being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, bringing the bride to her bridegroom. There is something interesting here, Danny. The servant, verse 66, told Isaac all the things that he had done, and we can be certain that gospel servants will one day stand before the Lord Jesus Christ to give an account for our labors and to give an account of what we have done. And with God's blessing, with the Spirit's help, we will stand on that day and hear our Lord and Savior say back to us, not for our own righteousness, but for the sake of His. Well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the great privilege of being a gospel minister, for living to proclaim the glories of our Savior, who is the fairest of 10,000, the bright and morning star, the rose of Sharon, the sinless Son of God incarnate, the righteous one, the holy one of Israel, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Oh, Father, I pray that each of us would look to this good and faithful servant and seek to emulate him in our desire to decrease that Christ might increase in and through our lives and labors. And for our brother Danny, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon him, that through him you would bring many sons to glory and exalt the name of his Savior and ours, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask these things in his name and for his sake. Amen.